This is the Point of Drew Podcast. All right, Druthers. After a little bit of a hiatus, we are back. It's B and your boy Z. Uh, we're back on the mic. There's no other way to put it. Um, we're going to be breaking down a lot of the NBA season today. We're about nine twelfths of the way, three fourths, some would say, but not in my opinion, nine twelfths of the way through the season. Um, we got our resident NBA expert Andrews on here uh, to provide some insight on the, in, into the season, how it's shaken out so far, and, and what to expect going into the playoffs. What's going on, Z? What's going on, man? I'm excited. I'm I'm glad we're back at it, back on the mic. I know it's uh it's been a second. We uh basically had a, a holdout figuring out the CBA similar to baseball, but uh we got paid, we got our money, and now we're back ready to ready to hit it. So I'm ready to dive into this thing, ready to talk some hoops because the ABA season's really heating up right now, man. I'm excited to get into it. Yes, sir. It's uh, it's been a crazy year. Uh, a, a lot's been shaking out. LeBron, hey, he may not be in the playoffs, a, a, a playoff staple over our lifetime. Um, so I'm sure we'll get to him a little bit later. Some new, some new teams, some new faces. The Memphis Grizzlies near the top of the West. Um, you got the teams in the East contending uh, that haven't been there in a while. The Sixers finally may have a chance. So a lot to break down over the podcast. But as always, we're going to start things off. Jersey corner number 54, we're at number 54, and I'm going to let you lead things off. Absolutely, man. 54 is a, a pretty good one from a defensive standpoint. So uh, 54 I'm picking is the defensive number, um, and I've got two honorable mentions, then my winner, and I'll start with honorable mention number one. It is Randy White, the uh, former Dallas Cowboy defensive tackle. Um, played for the Cowboys back in the late 70s and through the 80s. Um, number two overall draft pick uh, over his career, collected 111 sacks over his 14-year career. Uh, he was a Super Bowl co-MVP in 77 and uh, won NFC Defensive Player of the Year back in 1978. So definitely a force on the defensive side of the ball um, for the Cowboys back in those days. Definitely deserves a shout-out, Randy White. Um, second on my honorable mention list here, throwing it back, the, the man with the goggles, the general, the enforcer, Horace Grant. He rocked number 54 his entire career. He got four chips with the Bulls. He was an all-star and also uh, made four all-defensive NBA teams. Uh, he definitely deserves a shout for that. Pretty legendary career, uh, rocking the specs. Um, he was also part of those uh, Orlando Magic teams that made a couple finals runs. Um, so that was definitely fun to, to see him, especially in those throwback Magic unis, some of the best unis of all time, the, the pinstripes uh, back with Penny Hardaway as well. So uh, Horace Grant definitely deserves a shout out. He's worthy of that defensive, uh, defensive stopper award. So uh, Horace Grant, Randy White, my two honorable mentions at 54. Good stuff right there. I've never heard of Randy White, but I have heard of Horace Green, uh, one of my favorite guys to play with in 2K. Uh, didn't know a ton about his career. Um, I actually learned quite a bit about it in my research for in preparation of, of this jersey corner. But um, both both great shouts. And I'll just jump into my honorable mentions while we're at it. Horace Grant's on the list. Um, you mentioned it, the defensive stopper. Uh, he always made me laugh in 2K. He's kind of a chubbier guy with the, with the goggles. So, uh, you know, always kind of stood out, but was an absolute hooper, could get buckets in 2K and, and, and in real life. Uh, a four-time NBA champion, as you mentioned, three of those championships with the Chicago Bulls and MJ, one of them was Shaquille O'Neal and the Lakers, uh, worth noting. And then you also mentioned, uh, you know, his time with the Magic, uh, that Penny Hardaway team. Um, I think him and Shaq were pretty tight uh, and probably still are to this day. So Horace Grant, a, a, a great shout and honorable mention at 54. The other guy I got a shout out, uh, linebacker Teddy Bruschi, um, you know, for his really on-field accomplishments as a Patriot, um, you know, what he did uh, in that linebacking core for Bill Belichick was, um, was quite something over his career. I, I think he's kind of a shitty announcer. 
not a huge fan of him, uh, you know, talking shop on TV, but, um, you know, I got to put him in the, uh, in the running for Jersey corner based on what he did on the field, wearing that 54 in the suit never gets a mention, but in that Jersey 54, uh, we'll give him a shout. I like those, man. That, that's some good, uh, some good shout outs right there. I'm going to wrap it up and, and I, we might go the same direction with this one. Cause you did not mention my ultimate winner here. Brian Erlacher, the best to ever rock, number 54. Uh, and like I mentioned, man, this is a defensive number, and Brian Erlacher is everything you imagine when, when it comes to defense. Uh, two-time defensive player of the year, uh, four-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, Hall of Famer. Um, growing up, it was always you know him and Ray Lewis is kind of the, the two best linebackers I've ever got, got to see. Um, Brian Erlacher, definitely a legend, definitely gets this uh, award from me as the best to ever put on that number 54. Brian Erlacher, it's a great shout. Uh, a legend for the Chicago Bears. Um, it, it's definitely worth uh, worth a winner at Jersey Corner 54 for you, but I'm, I'm going a different direction, man. I'm, I've got a linebacker who's even better than Brian Erlacher in my mind. He goes by the name of Thad Castle. Uh, the <laughs> The longtime linebacker for the Blue Mountain State. Uh, I'm not even sure what they're I – mean, I think they're the GOATs maybe. Uh, I'm not not 100% sure their mascot. We may need to, to look that one up at some point. But uh, three-year starter at Blue Mountain State, um, just based on the three seasons of television that that occurred. But uh, you know, was was uh, quite the character in the GOAT house on the field. Um, uh, all in all, Thad Castle, uh, a true legend, really the best athlete I've seen sport the number 54 um, so really easy decision for me in this one. Um, Thad Castle is, is my best athlete to ever put on the Jersey 54, but um, completely respect your decision to go with that uh, with Erlacher. Man, I like that. That's a good pull right there. I was not ready to hear that name come out. I, I'm looking online. I'm trying to find what the uh, the mascot is, but I don't I don't see it right here. But uh, anytime you're going with a, a legend, Thad Castle, that's a good way to go. And keeping it on the defensive side of the ball. So at least we're aligned there that 54, definitely a defensive powerhouse number. Without question. Well, that'll wrap things with, uh, with the Jersey corner. Um, we're going to dive in deep to all the NBA action. Uh, we have not been able to cover so far this season. We're nine twelfths of the way through. So there's a lot to unpack here uh, in preparation of, of the playoff run coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, but first, as always, we're going to have a word from our friends over at Shokes Bagels. Okay, Druthers, big news from our friends over at Shugs Bagels. Shugs After Hours is officially live. Yes, it's true. The Druther favorite, the mecca of bagels in the state of Texas, Shugs is opening a late night ghost kitchen concept that will operate on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. They'll be serving up all their traditional breakfast and lunch favorites, in addition to a few late night classics. We're talking pizza bagels, mott sticks, even mac and cheese bites. Woo! <laughs> not to mention a wide selection of bevies chock full of alcohol. This is not gonna be something any truther will want to miss out on. Go pay them a visit, visit late night at their location in Park City's Village, just off of SMU campus. Shugs After Hours, open later than literally any other bagel shop in Texas. All right, right Z. Let's get it. We've got uh, we've got to dive into it. We already set the Druthers up. We know uh, what they're expecting now. I'm ready to get into it, man. Let's talk some hoops. Let's talk some NBA. As you mentioned, nine twelfths of the way through this season. So uh, let's talk about this rest of the season. It's been a crazy year so far. Um, and, the, and the first thing I kind of wanted to, to make note of is over the last, you know, four, five, six seasons, maybe even the last decade, um, one conference has really been uh, the focal point, and that's been the Western Conference. Uh, you know, you've seen teams like the Warriors emerge as, as a dominant fixture, Rockets in years past, Clippers, um, you know, even the Thunder, uh, you know, back five, six seasons ago, it's, it's really been, you know, a, a talent heavy uh, conference in, in the West. Uh, and that's really kind of flipped this year. Um, so I kind of want to start with the Eastern Conference. 
uh, you know, it's really been uh, from top to bottom, the better conference. There's been better teams uh, one through 10 or whatever, however many teams make the playoffs in this new format. Um, but I, I do think the East has, has seen some better ball, uh, you know, throughout the entire season. I want to start at the top. Um, you know, we've seen a couple teams emerge as, as real contenders uh, to, to take the Eastern Conference title. Uh, you've got Milwaukee, the Bucks, the returning Eastern Conference champs, um, and, and Giannis and, and, you know, their season post, post-championship, you know, they've been able to, to steady the ship and, 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 and maintain uh, contention. Uh, you've got a team like the Miami Heat who, you know, were in the championship two seasons ago in the bubble um, but I've added a guy like Kyle Lowry uh, and really taken a step forward and now, you know, kind of see themselves in contention. And then finally, um, you know, really the third contender I, I would see here is, is the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, what they've been able to accomplish with, with Joel Embiid, potentially an MVP front runner at this point. Um, and most recently, the addition of James Harden. So um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, some of the contenders you see here at the top and, and you know, who you like the best uh, from what you've seen so far this season. Yeah, definitely. And and I think you're right. The East has been the, the better conference this year, the more competitive conference um, and just the more fun conference. I'm having a ton of fun following the action uh, in the Eastern Conference. And, um, you know, to me, I, I think trying to tier the conference up, there, there really is a clear tier one. Uh, those contenders in the East come down to three teams. You mentioned them all. It's Milwaukee, Miami and Philly. I think those are the three teams that are the true top contenders in the Eastern Conference in that top tier. Um, and it's been fun to watch for different reasons. And, um, you know, I had been skeptical on Philly all year. Um, but right now, they just added James Harden. Joel Embiid is the front runner in the MVP race. He's playing incredible, probably having the best season of his career. Um, and on top of that, what, what I think has been the most, uh, you know, surprising thing to happen for the Sixers this year is how well Tyrese Maxey is playing. I know a lot of people are, are going to want to talk about this Harden and B duo, uh, but I really see this team as a Harden and B Maxey trio. That's a big three right there, wow. with the way that Tyrese Maxey has been playing. Um, well, over his last 15 games or so, especially, he's really taken it to a new level. Um, and is seriously playing at an all-star level and, and doing that alongside James Harden in the handful of games they've been able to play together this year. Um, it's been a lot of fun to watch. So I think those three um, are really kind of taking control right now and I think have uh, most likely the highest ceiling in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, you, you could also argue the same about Brooklyn having that high ceiling, but um, I, I'm really skeptical to, you know, make that pick for Brooklyn right now. So to me, I, I think Philly has a chance to really, really maximize their talent and make a run here. Um, and, and there's two other teams, like I mentioned, that are, are going to have something to say about that. Um, Milwaukee, obviously the reigning champs, they're doing their thing this year. And you can kind of tell this team isn't all the way in on the regular season. They've kind of just been floating through, getting by, scraping out a few wins. They've had a few bad losses. There have been some stretches in there where uh, Chris Middleton goes through some shooting streaks. It's clear Drew Holiday. Um, you know, we all know that Drew Holiday has that next level of defense he can get to in the playoffs. He hasn't brought that out at all in the regular season. I still feel like he has that in him and is ready to pull it out in the playoffs. And then um, – you know, the big question mark for Milwaukee is kind of at the center position. Uh, they, they've been kind of running through different guys all year. Giannis has been playing a lot of center. They just added Serge Ibaka at the trade deadline to try and fill that in uh, because Brooke Lopez has been out pretty much all season. Um, it is looking like Brooke Lopez may be able to make a return, but that's still a big question mark. And uh, you never know how, how rusty he's going to be after sitting out the whole year. So I do have a few small concerns with uh, with Milwaukee, but overall, they know how to step up. They know what to do in the playoffs. We just saw them do it last year. So I have a lot of confidence in them as well. Um, and then that last team that, uh, you know, seems to be the quiet team that's just kind of floating by that no one's really talking about. So the, the Miami Heat. They're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference right now, and they've just been destroying teams. They look really, really good, especially against some of the better teams in the conference. 
Um, Bam Adebayo, he's sneakily having an amazing season. Definitely top three in the defensive player of the year race right now. Um, Jimmy Butler is doing his thing. Uh, it does seem like um, Tyler Hero is having a good season for sure. He's played a really good, solid role as that sixth man off the bench. Duncan Robinson, after a really shaky start to the season, seems like his shooting's starting to even out. He's picking it up. Um, and then the fun thing for the Miami Heat is the addition of Victor Oladipo. He's finally back. He just played his first game, I think, on uh, Monday night uh, against the Rockets. And uh, I think he played like 17 minutes, had 14 points, had a dunk, a couple threes. And if that's the production they're going to get from Victor Oladipo, uh, that's going to bode really well for him as a guy who can come off the bench, hopefully fill, you know, 15 to 20 minutes um, for him and really provide a spark. So I think the Heat have a lot of things uh, moving in the right direction now, and they're well deserving of that number one seed where they're sitting right now. Makes sense. So you got you broke it down. Three The three primary contenders in the East being uh, the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers with the new addition of James Harden and, and uh, MVP candidate uh, Joel Embiid. And then finally, uh, the scrappy Miami Heat. Um, so those three will headline it. A uh, couple questions for you based on those three teams. And let's go ahead and start with the 76ers. You mentioned Tyrese Maxey. He's been balling out. I love to hear that. Uh, he's a, I'm a big fan of his, the way he plays the game, high energy guard. Uh, his shots really come a long way from college and his days at Kentucky. So I've been impressed to see him develop as a player. Um, conversely, a guy that I haven't seen really develop over his time in Philadelphia, a guy by the name of Tobias Harris. And what I want to know from you is, based on your opinions, you watch more NBA than anyone I know, is Tobias Harris the most overpaid player in the league? Uh, I mean, it's a good question. And let's take let's take let's take Westbrook out. Let's take John Wall out. You know, all those guys who aren't really playing with ridiculous astronomical contracts. You know, based on the output that Tobias Harris has provided at his salary level and, and similar guys. You know, do you think he's the most overpaid guy? Or is there another guy you throw out there? Yeah, so, I mean, the two names that immediately came to mind were Westbrook and Wall. So, if you're removing them from this equation, I, I would probably um, start to say, yeah, it's got to be Tobias Harris. Um, I mean, he, he's got an incredible contract. I can't remember what the annual breakdown is for him, but um, it's right there near the max. And, you know, this season alone – uh, he's averaging about 18 points, but he's shooting less than 34% from three, um, less than 50% overall from the field. It just has not been pretty. He's not the guy that Philly needs to, uh, you know, play a commanding role or be the guy that can step up on defense, especially, um, you know, playing alongside Harden and Embiid. Well, what he's being asked to do is, you know, just play a really solid role. And it feels like he's not been able to step into that role. And it's definitely a diminished role than what he's previously been uh, expected to fill. So uh, he's getting paid like he's a lead man when really he's probably the the fourth or fifth option on this team now. Yeah. And, and just for context, his salary is $36 million a year. And as a reference point, Joel Embiid, um, MVP front runner, some would say at this point in time, uh, is making 31 million a year. Uh, so quite overpaid Tobias Harris. Um, we'll see how it shakes out and if he can improve uh, as a role player in that offense. But uh, next question for you. Let's keep it with the Bucks. You mentioned, you know, they're, they're trying to find uh, a five to really kind of help them through the playoffs. What I want to know from you is Giannis, you know, what, when they're at their best, what position is he playing at? Is he playing at the five? Is he playing at the four? You know, what is this Bucks team? And when they're at their best, where is Giannis slotted in in the rotation? Yeah, this is a tough question, but I think it changes. And I, I, this is kind of the cop-out answer, but I really think it is dependent on who's on the other team. Um, you know, sure. when at times in the playoffs last year, we were able to see Giannis take advantage of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, but there are other centers out there where the matchup just doesn't quite, uh, you know, bode well in Giannis's favor. Everything, every matchup goes well for Giannis. He at times 
very oftentimes is the best player in the NBA. Uh, so he can kind of dominate anyone. But uh, I, I do think there are some issues with him at center, especially if you start getting into matchups with Joel Embiid or, um, you know, some of the other guys like that. I think Giannis actually plays really well um, with someone like Bobby Portis, who, um, you know, both of them are power forwards, but Portis can play a little bit of five. Uh, Giannis can play some five as well and, and just kind of mix up the defensive assignments um, and just pick on who, whatever player they want Giannis guarding um, and, and allow Giannis to play a little bit more of like a rover role where he's able to help off ball, get over to the rim and protect around the rim a little bit. So, uh, you know, Giannis is definitely one of the five best defensive players in the league. So he can play the five really well. But uh, I, I do think it's pretty matchup dependent on, on what his best position is. Yeah, that's tough. I think, um, you know, traditionally he's been a five, but uh, very matchup dependent. Um, so it makes sense there. Final question I've got for you for these East contenders. Uh, you mentioned the Miami Heat. Um, not necessarily a team with any all-NBA type guys. Maybe you can make the argument for Bam Adebayo, but, uh, you know, they're more of a team I see. It's really kind of the sum of the parts, uh, you know, very cohesive unit, a more veteran team. I don't want you to answer Bam because I know you love him. I know that's a cop out. You know, who's the X factor on this team that really makes them go and is going to allow them to have a deep playoff run, maybe even come out with the Eastern Conference Finals? Oh, I like this question a lot. I mean, I do – I really think Bam is incredible. Obviously, we know what Jimmy Butler can do. We saw him in the bubble drag a Heat team to the finals that had no business being in the finals uh, and almost win that thing. Um, you've got Tyler Hero who can really cook and get hot. Duncan Robinson can knock down from three. You've obviously got these small parts like PJ Tucker filling a big role. Um, guys like Gabe Vincent stepping up. Um, Caleb Martin's playing well. But I think the X factor is a former NBA champion, Kyle Lowry. I think if Lowry gets healthy, Lowry comes yes. back, plays his role, and really can get the best out of this team. Lowry is the X factor. I think he can make a huge difference. Obviously he, he's the only guy, um, I guess, besides PJ Tucker, since he won it last year, but uh, Lowry's the guy with the most experience. He's the only one that's actually won the ring. And so, um, you know, I definitely think Kyle Lowry plays the X factor here. I, I promise I wasn't trying to bait you into that, that answer. <laughs> Um, but I'm very happy that you answered the way you did. As you know, Kyle Lowry is my boy. Um, I'm excited to see him continue to, to lengthen his career and, and hopefully maybe get another chip in Miami and South Beach. Um, man, it's been fun to, to watch him throughout his career. So uh, love that answer. Let's move on. Let's wrap things up in the East. We, we talked about the primary contenders. Um, you know, it's a deep conference, as we noted at the top. Uh, are there a few other teams you're keeping an eye on that, you know, kind of maybe looming here down the stretch that, you know, could make a dark horse playoff run and potentially compete for the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah, so I think there's, you know, a tier two that, uh, you know, I, I have three teams in that tier two right now. Um, I really only can see two of them actually making a run. Um, but the three teams in that tier two right now are the Chicago Bulls, Boston Celtics, and you got to include the Brooklyn Nets, despite being in ninth place. Uh, Brooklyn deserves to be there. Brooklyn's got issues. There's a lot wrong with Brooklyn, um, but they have Kevin Durant and they have Kyrie Irving, put them in a playoff situation, roll the ball out there. And oftentimes those are going to be the two best players on the court. Um, at the end of the day, you cannot bet against the talent that they have. Uh, but it's been weird. They have a lot of weird rotation issues. Joe Harris isn't coming back this season. Um, it's been weird. They've been trying to run with this three-guard lineup where they have Patty Mills, uh, Goran Dragic, and Kyrie all out there on the court at the same time. Um, they've got a weird big situation. Uh, they've got Andre Drummond and Nick Claxton. I'm not sure if I trust either of those. I have no idea if Ben Simmons is going to come back and, and, you know, be the defensive player and, um, you know, facilitator that he's capable of being. So there's a lot to figure out with Brooklyn. But at the end of the day, they're still in that race. They still have a chance to really show out in the playoffs and make a run. Wouldn't surprise me at all, despite sitting in the ninth seed right now. So I think Brooklyn could do it. Um, Chicago, I really am losing faith in Chicago. 
Uh, I put them in the tier two right now. And, you know, they're in fourth place in the conference, but I think they're going to slide. Wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the season they're sitting in the sixth seed. Um, they've really struggled against the top talent in the Eastern Conference. I think they're um, – I think they may be like 0-13 against Miami, Philly, and Milwaukee this year, which is not good, uh, obviously. So I'm losing a lot of faith, but DeMar is still playing incredible. He's been fun. And, you know, Zach Levine's good. Vooch has been awesome as well. So, um, you know, the Bulls are fun, but they are sliding down. Boston is the really fun team here, actually. Um, I, I do think Boston has a chance of truly making a run, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. And if you told me right now Boston finds a way into the finals, it would not shock me. Uh, Boston's really figured it out. They have the best defense in the NBA right now. Jason Tatum is, is taking his game to another level. Uh, Jalen Brown can be at times the best sidekick in the NBA. Robert Williams, uh, he's a, a top 10 defensive player in the league as well. So uh, I think a lot is moving in the right direction. Definitely trending for Boston. Um, I, I think by the end of the season, they're actually going to slide up into that four seed uh, most likely. And uh, Boston's looking good, man. They've been fun. Emilio Doka has really got them playing good defense. So uh, Boston's playing well lately. That's a great breakdown. Uh, I figured you'd mention the Nets at some point, uh, but it's good to hear about uh, the Bulls and the Celtics making strides. Um, let's stay on the Celtics. Uh, and you just mentioned them. Their head coach in first year, Ime Udoka. Uh, you mentioned Tatum. He's really ascending. You know, this is really his chance to – he's been a superstar. I think we all know that. But this is his chance to really take – step up to the next level and make his name for, you know, one arguably the best player in the league if he can – you know, bring this Celtics team and uh, allow them to ascend to the, to the finals. Um, but a question for you, I want to know how much is Ime Udoka responsible for, for getting this team back on track and um, you know, really this, this late season push they've made over the last few weeks. Yeah. It's tough to tell because um, you know, the Celtics had a really, really bad start to the season and it was really starting to look like, you know, Udoka could be part of that issue. Um, especially the way they started, they were losing a lot of, of close games. They were not able to execute at the end of games. Um, and it was really just kind of getting ugly for them. Uh, but it's clear that they've turned it all the way around. Um, and, you know, right now the Boston Celtics, they are number one in the NBA in defensive rating. They have a 105.6 defensive rating. The Warriors are two. The Suns are three. Um, and right now in the Western Conference, you've got the Suns and the Warriors right there in the top three. So it's clear that the Celtics are on a championship level with their defense. Um, so they're playing really good in that aspect. And I think a lot of that is credit to Ime Udoka and the way he's kind of utilized the defense, the way they're experimenting with Rob Williams. Um, it's been interesting because a lot of times they're actually putting Marcus Smart or even Jalen Brown um, like guarding the true center of their opponent and letting Robert Williams just kind of float around the basket and try and re reject every shot that goes up within five feet. Um, and he's played really well in that role. And, and Boston, they communicate really well on defense. They switch a lot. Um, and it's created a ton of problems for other teams. And I think a lot of that is credit to Yudoka. Yeah, and I think you got to give a little credit where credit is due. Daniel Tice back in the rotation, back in Boston. Uh, couldn't be happier for the guy. Uh, he's a huge fan of that organization based on uh, all the food they give him. Um, they keep him well fed, which I know uh, is appreciated. And it's, it's really resulted on some, some stellar encore play from Tice. So I um, had to give my boy a shout there. Uh, let's move on. Final thing on the East. You mentioned the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I think they're a super likable team. I've been rooting for them. I know you've been rooting for them. I think everyone wants to see them make a run here in the playoffs. What's going to, what's it going to take for them to make a run? Obviously, you know, they're going to need to play well defensively. Uh, you know, we know they can score it, but you know, any, any point, you know, one, one, two things they can do to, to really kind of foster a, a deep playoff run in Chicago. Yeah, I'd say number one is probably just get healthy. Um, Lonzo Ball's missed a ton of time. He's not been playing. He's out with an injury. Um, and actually, it sounds like the, the Bulls may get Pat Williams back. He, he got injured in one of the first, like, 
five games of the year and has been out all year. He may be coming back as well. Um, Zach Levine struggled with a few injuries. Vucevic has missed some time. So I think if they get healthy, uh, that's key for them to just even have a chance. Uh, but then at the end of the day, you do need DeRozan to have the best playoff run of his career. Um, unfortunately, he does kind of carry a stigma of, you know, playing on some of those Toronto teams that just failed year after year in the playoffs. Um, I'm really hoping he shakes that and can prove some people wrong because he's been fun as hell to watch in the regular season. But it's going to take him really, uh, you know, driving through the playoffs, going to a, a whole new God level in order to carry this team to where they need to go. Um, so I think a lot has to happen. Uh, I think they definitely would need some good matchups as well to be able to win a series. Yeah, well, we'll be rooting for them, hoping, hoping they can get healthy and uh, should be it should be a fun Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, you know, lots of lots to look forward to out east. Let's take it out west. Uh, been an interesting year out west. I'm not going to lie. Looking at the standings right now, you've got. Phoenix in first by a long margin. Uh, you know, they are the reigning Western Conference champions, champions and, and, and they're looking the part, uh, you know, so far this season. 51 and 13, the best record by far in the NBA. Talk to me a little bit about the Suns and, and, and their championship play uh, so far this season. Yeah, it's plain and simple. The Suns are the best team in the NBA right now. No doubt about it. The difference between the Suns and the number two seed in, in the Memphis Grizzlies in the West is eight games, um, which is just as big as of a gap pretty much as the Heat in the number seven seed Toronto Raptors. The one seed and the seven seed in the East is the same gap from one and two in the West. It's pretty wild what the Suns are doing. They, uh, you know, Monty Williams is the clear coach of the year favorite right now. He definitely deserves it as well. Um, DeAndre Ayton, he's trying to get paid. Chris Paul is still doing his thing. Um, he's obviously been out right now with that thumb injury, but he should be coming back just in time for the playoffs. Um, but even some of the, the role players on this team have really stepped up. Mikhail Bridges has been great. He really looks like one of the best, you know, 15 or so defensive players um, in the NBA, he definitely is going to make an all NBA defensive team this year. Um, Cam has stepped up. He's been balling. And then obviously you've got Devin Booker, who uh, at times can be one of the best players in the league. Uh, so the Suns have been really fun. They have everything clicking, um, going through a stretch right now where they have no Devin Booker um, and no Chris Paul. Devin Booker's out and safe and healthy, uh, safe. <laughs> health and safety protocol, uh, but he should be joining the team again soon. Chris Paul is coming back, and I think this team is prepared to make another deep playoff run. Well, I, I, I know one guy is more ready for it than anyone, and that's Suns and Four guy. I'm <laughs> sure he's ready. He's geared up for a big playoff run in Phoenix. I'm excited to see him come playoff time. But, uh, yeah, they've been, they've been incredible. You mentioned it. Best record in the league. They're eight games up on the second seed in the West. And so, uh, you know, they're, it seems like they're cruising to the finish as the one seed. Um, what's your level of confidence at this point in time that they're going to come out of the West? Uh, very confident. Um, I, I think they are going to come out of the West. It, it would really take a lot for them not to. I don't think there's another super strong team in the Western Conference right now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there are a couple teams that it wouldn't surprise me if they put up a, a long fight. And I think there are some teams like, uh, Denver in particular, who, who probably just match up really well. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm not trusting Denver to, you know, knock off Phoenix in a playoff series. Um, it's going to be tough for anyone to beat the Suns. I'm pretty confident they're coming out of the West. I hear you. Well, no gun to your head decision at this point in time. That'll be later <laughs> in the podcast. But uh, uh, let's break down a few more teams that uh, you think uh, in the Western Conference could have a chance to challenge Phoenix. Um, you know, Golden State, uh, they've hung around. Uh, they got Klay Thompson back. I think Draymond's been uh, in and out of the lineup. So some questions with them. And then maybe the revelation of the entire season, John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. So talk to me about each of those contenders. Yeah, so let's start with Golden State, who is on a, a bad slide right now. Um, I, I'm pretty sure, I think they're 2-8 and eight over their last 10 games. 
um, really cannot figure it out without Draymond. They need Draymond back. Um, Steph Curry's having one of the worst seasons of his career. Um, with that said, he's still Steph Curry. He's still incredible um, and an awesome player. Uh, but the Warriors are not uh, as dominant of a team as it looked like they were two months ago. Uh, things are not trending in the right direction for them, but uh, they definitely can still get it together. Definitely can get Draymond back and make this playoff run. Uh, they're going to need Wiggins to step up. They're going to need some contribution from Kaminga off the bench. Um, he's been playing really well lately, but um, the, the Warriors are strange, man. It's tough to figure out exactly who they are as a team. Um, Clay Thompson obviously has a crazy high ceiling, but he's struggled to just find his groove since coming back. Uh, he's been up and down and really struggled in a few games. And uh, you can see this this last Saturday against the Lakers when LeBron went nuts. Uh, Clay Thompson walked off the court and just went straight back to the locker room uh, with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter, just out of frustration. Uh, you can tell that this Warriors team um, and Clay Thompson in particular is just having a, a tough time kind of figuring things out right now, kind of navigating um you know this space trying to hold on to that two seed uh so things are getting a little weird for the warriors but uh at the end of the day they're still a really good team they still have Steph, seth uh, sorry steph curry uh clay thompson draymond green all-star starter andrew wiggins um they've got a great roster so they can definitely make a run but they have some things to figure out uh and then when it comes to memphis man Memphis has been the team I've had the most fun watching this year, without a doubt. John Morant is must-see TV. He's the most fun player in the NBA. He is legit. He's as real as it gets. Um, and, man, Memphis is, is just awesome all around. This team loves to talk shit. They've got some fun players. Jaron Jackson has stepped up uh, kind of out of nowhere. Jaron Jackson has become a, a defensive force. I did not see that one coming. Um and you've got guys like Desmond Bain really stepping up. And what's going to get really interesting for Memphis is Dylan Brooks is coming back uh, pretty soon. And I don't know what to expect out of Dylan Brooks, but he's a guy that can score 20 points a game and play awesome defense on the wing. Uh, any team that wants to make a deep playoff run can use production like that. So uh, I really think there's a lot of good things in Memphis. Um, you know, they're probably performing – above their real standards so uh, there's a chance that it may not pan out in the playoffs this year but everything they're doing right now is legit and this team is super fun to watch it's it's been a constant throughout you know my uh me watching following along with the nba this year is everyone just absolutely loving on the grizzlies it seems like they have a lot of fun together they enjoy playing with each other they're a fun team to watch and they're kind of that underdog story small market team that is really just being lifted up by a superstar in john morant and a uh, question for you i've been following along closely enough i know john morant's a special player i watched him at murray state you know he's got a freak he's freakish uh athletic wise uh, he can attack the rim. Uh, he plays the point guard position. But, you know, really what's what's been the biggest part of his ascent this season? Uh, you know, has he, has he stepped into the three-point shot? Has he become more of a facilitator? Has he locked in on defense? You know, talk to me about how he's become, you know, one of the best players in the league over the last two, three, four months. Yeah, so, I mean, first off, he, he's improved in every aspect of his game. He's definitely shooting the three with more confidence. Uh, but – you might be surprised to hear this. Ja Morant standing at six foot three. He's about 170 pounds, leads the NBA in points in the paint. He leads the NBA in points in the paint. He gets in the paint almost every possession. He is able to finish everything at the rim. Uh, he's really crafty around the rim. He's really good from uh, about like three or four feet out with a floater. He has a bunch of moves that just get people in the air. He's hitting off-balance shots right around the hoop. Um, and I'd say that's where his biggest ascension has come from, is his ability to just dominate in that area. Uh, he's not the most phenomenal shooter in the world, and he's realized that. And so his game is to get to the paint, score in the paint, or uh, just gather that help from the defense to leave someone else open. And then you've got knockdown shooters around you. Um, who are hitting that hitting those shots right now. So 
I think just the, the gravity that jaw has in the paint, um, you know, opens up a ton for this Memphis offense, but if they don't bring help, he's finishing over everybody. Um, and just the way he, he plays in the paint like that is definitely where the biggest, uh, surprise in his game has come from. Yeah. It sounds like he's got a little bit of the Trey young floater game, uh, the impressive finishing ability of Kyrie Irving at the rim. Um, but something I think he's got more than either of those guards, uh, is leadership. That team really loves him. They rally behind him. Um, they want him to be the best player he can be. Uh, and, and they're all bought in. And so that's been really cool to watch over the season. And, um, you know, you, me, I'm sure everyone else will, will be rooting for the Grizzlies down the stretch here in the West. But uh, a few more teams I wanted to hit on before we move on. Uh, they're kind of clumped there, currently fourth, fifth, and sixth place in the West. Uh, some teams with a lot of talent. They've been potential contenders the last few seasons. The Utah Jazz, my Utah Jazz, the Dallas Mavericks, and the Denver Nuggets. Um, you know, all these teams kind of outside your top three, but um, do you like any any of them more than another in terms of making a run here and a chance to, to you know, surprise some people and win the Western Conference? Yeah, so those three are, are really interesting right now. They're, like you mentioned, the four, five, and six seeds. So Utah is the four, Dallas at five, Denver at the six. They're all within a game and a half of each other. I'm low on Utah. I think Utah's sliding. I think – I think they're going to get passed up by the Mavericks here pretty soon. And the Mavericks are, have been dominant in their matchups against the Jazz. Um, and then in the sixth seed, um, Jokic in the, the Nuggets, man. Uh, Jokic is my MVP. To me, he's the best player in the league right now. There's no one who can do what he does. Um, the fact that he's got this team in the sixth seed right now is incredible. No Michael Porter Jr., no Jamal Murray no worries. Jokic has been carrying them. It's been awesome and, and a ton of fun to watch. Um, and just the other night, Jokic had a game where he had like 44, like 13 and 12 or something like that. Had 30 points in fourth in the fourth quarter and overtime combined against the Pelicans. Uh, he's just incredible and, you know, has this team playing really well. But there's still a six seed and there isn't that much higher of a ceiling. Um, unless they get everyone healthy and get on the same page, which I'm not convinced is going to happen for them this year. Um, but Dallas, I think, is the team that can actually make a run. Uh, Dallas has really stepped up since the trade deadline. Uh, they're playing really good defense. Uh, Luca has been balling. Dorian Finney-Smith is playing really well lately. Um, and then Spencer Dinwiddie has provided a huge spark to this team that I didn't quite see coming. He's made a huge difference. And so uh, I, I think Dallas is playing really well right now. Um, currently, they're in the five seed. They played Utah in that um, four or five matchup. And it looks like we're headed for that, that matchup, regardless of who's the four and who's the five. Looks like it's going to be Dallas and Utah there. Uh, I think Dallas wipes, wipes them in that series. Um, and then could lead to a really fun second round series, Mavericks, Suns. And it would not shock me if the Mavericks are able to really string out that series and make it legit. Uh, I, I think the Mavericks are uh, a team that could, uh, if anyone's going to knock off the Suns, I think it could be the Mavericks that do so. So it uh, wouldn't surprise me if the Mavericks are in position to actually make a big run here. Luca, man, in a playoff series, we've seen him do it. Uh, he can make some special things happen. He's got that it factor about him where, uh, you know, the playoffs possessions get tight, uh, half-court offense, and, and Luca can just make shot after shot. So I'm, I'm interested to see how far he can carry the Mavericks without much of a supporting cast. You mentioned our guy, Dorian Finney-Smith, um, such an underrated player, you know, such a a buoy for that team in terms of what he can provide on both ends of the floor. Um, so I'm excited to see the Mavs try and make a run here. Uh, I'm a bit sad about you, you being dismissive of my Utah jazz. Uh, you know, it seems like their window may be closing. Um, Donovan Mitchell, my guy, 
uh, maybe wanting out after this year. We'll, we'll see what happens. We got a TBD on, on how that story plays out, but it's always tough to see. And then the team you mentioned, Denver, you know, one of the most fun teams. I'm excited to see Jamal Murray come back and see what he can do to, to add to that team and in, in, in their potential playoff run. But they can only go so far with, with Jokic and what he can provide them. And of course, maybe coach of the year in, in my eyes, Bo Malone, uh, you, you know, they're never out of it when they got bone on the, on the court there on the hardwood. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on, on them and how they fare uh, in the Western conference. Any other teams that we didn't hit on uh, over this, over this recap that you wanted to give some love to? You know? I don't think there's anyone else that deserves love. Um, I, I like the way the Timberwolves are playing. I really, I was high on the Timberwolves coming into the season. They're in the seven seed right now. And it's not unrealistic that the T-Wolves could find a way to sneak into that six seed and take over Denver and uh, actually secure a spot in the playoffs and, and be able to, uh, you know, move past that playing range. Um, so I definitely think that they deserve a shout out. Also got to give a shout out back on the Eastern Conference to the Cleveland Cavs as well. Um, they had an awesome season and, you know, I'm talking like it's over, but things are starting to slide a little bit for them. It looks like Jared Allen is going to miss significant time. Um, right now they're in the sixth seed and there's a chance they could still finish at the six. Uh, but I think most likely they're going to fall back into the play-in tournament. Uh, but the, the Cavaliers were a ton of fun to watch as well. Uh, and, and then, you know, I'll end on this note, and I think this is exactly what you would want to uh, want to know. But, um, you know, we, we talk a lot, a lot about your boy Bone Malone uh, for the Nuggets, but you know who's been a really fun player for the Nuggets this year is their rookie, Bones Highland. Uh, yep. Out of, out of VCU, our, our, our boy out of VCU, Rams. Highland. Uh, he's been fun. So we got two bones uh, in Denver now. Hey, love to hear that. I'm not shocked. Uh, Malone took him in the draft, uh, uh, in his namesake, really. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to watch Highland uh, throughout the rest of this season. Um, let's finish things up here. Um, finals prediction gun to your head. Give it to me right now. Who's making the finals? Who's coming out of the East? Who's coming out of the West? So last year, out of the Western Conference, we saw the Suns. And the Suns really kind of exploded out of nowhere to make the finals last year. No one was expecting it. They got the two seed. They fought through the playoffs pretty easily uh, and made the finals. And then in the Eastern Conference, the Bucks finally got over the hump, finally made the playoffs. Um, and we saw a really fun, you know, series between the Suns, who got up 2-0 in the series. The Bucks come back and went four straight, went in six. Awesome series between the Suns and the Bucks last year. I think we're going to see the same thing again this year. I think we're going to see the Suns make it out of the West. It's super tough. I think the, the East is really wide open. But the Bucs have the highest ceiling right now of, of the teams I've seen play well. Um, I think the Bucs can get back there. I think Giannis is good enough to, to run through the Eastern Conference again. And gun to my head, like you set it up, gun to my head, if I'm having to pick two teams, we're seeing Suns-Bucks rematch. Everyone loves a good rematch story. Um, we'll be – Really cool for the Suns to, to try and get some vengeance after going up 2-0 in that series. And then Giannis really putting it all together and, and, and not looking back one in four straight. Um, so, hey, I think, you know, that would be great for the NBA. Uh, you know, great, great for basketball in general if we could we could get that matchup again. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how things shake out. We got about, uh, I think, what, three twelfths roughly more of the year to go. Um, then we'll, we'll start with the play-in tournaments in the season. So I'm looking forward to all of it. Um, but before we wrap things up and thank you again for breaking it all down for us, but you know, as, as many of the Druthers know, we like to place a wager from time to time. Um, and we're going to start a new segment on this show. Um, and it's going to be a betting segment and it's going to be named after, uh, you know, a guy who's been in the news very recently, um, who also likes to place bets and that's a wide receiver by the name of Calvin Ridley. So um, well, let's keep this on this, keep this on the NBA topic, but uh, let's wrap things up. Uh, episode 54 point of drew uh, with the Calvin Ridley bet of the week. What do you got for us? 
Calvin Ridley, bet of the week. It's going to be to go ahead right now and place a wager on Nikola Jokic to win NBA MVP. Currently sitting at plus 260 right now. Uh, He's the second favorite behind Joel Embiid. Embiid is uh, minus 115 right now. So Embiid's in the lead. Um, But I think as we come down the stretch of the season, Jokic really looks like he's hitting a new level. I think he's really going to turn it on. Um, And, you know, Embiid is obviously doing his thing, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Sixers, um, you know, start to get a little complacent with the three seed, kind of start separating themselves from the four and lower and start really gearing up for the playoffs by starting to load manage a little bit um, with Embiid, having them play fewer minutes per game so they can get ready for a playoff run. And I think all of that combined is going to play really well into uh, Jokic's hands. And I think Jokic is the MVP right now. Um, If I were voting, I'm voting Jokic to repeat as MVP. And I think at plus 260 odds right now, there's no way this is not the Calvin Ridley bet of the week. You heard it here for first on the point of Drew. Nikola Jokic to repeat as MVP. The Bucks and the Suns, uh, a repeat matchup in the NBA Finals. We'll see how it all breaks down. But, Z, that was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for catching them up, catching us up on this uh, this NBA season. Absolutely, man. Always love uh, talking hoops, catching up. And you, you said it, we're 9 12 of the way through this NBA season. Uh, every team's got like 15 or 16 games left. So, Definitely coming down the stretch. We've got about a month left, and it's going to be exciting, man. A lot to uh, continue covering in the future pods, but it's been fun, man. Yes, sir. And we'll be back next week. No hiatus. Uh, We'll be back second week in a row delivering a pod. More in my domain. Uh, we've got conference ba- or college basketball wrapping up this week. We got the conference tournaments and, and uh, all culminating with selection Sunday, um, this coming Sunday. So early next week, Monday or Tuesday, we'll be dropping a pod uh, previewing the March Madness uh, for 2022. We may even have a guest, Logan Bush, on uh, resident college basketball expert to, to help provide some analysis. But um, truthers, be on the lookout. Stay tuned. Uh, that should be a fun episode. Absolutely. Looking forward to that next week. Until then, everybody, keep it real. We appreciate you checking in. We appreciate you rocking with us. Thank you. Point of Drew, we're out. Deuces, Druthers.